You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, welcome to another week of the Perth Property Show where our number one experts in all fields of property in Perth come in and help us out with a new topic of interest. I'm Trent Fleskins, your host, and I am super excited about this week's topic. Today we're going to explore how to find a good financial planner, what makes a good financial planner. And to help us out, we've got our resident financial planner in the room, Kieran McAleen from Provident Financial Services. Kieran, thanks for coming in. Thanks a lot for having me, Trent. Of course, we're just going to have a quick spill. It's general advice again. So, Kieran is an associate financial planner for Paul Carter PTY LTD Trading. Is Provident Financial Services. He's an authorized representative of AMP Financial Planning. This information is obviously general only and isn't intended as personal recommendations. So, please also always consider whether the information suits your circumstances before acting on any of it. We're going to get straight into it, Kieran. We're going to talk about what makes a good financial plan. This is a hard one for for a lot of people, just like what makes a good lawyer, what makes a good broker, what makes a good accountant. Some people are really nervous to just make a phone call because straight away you're thinking, am I going to get charged for this? Am I going to get thrown down a funnel? What do they actually do? Are they going to sell something? Mm. Let's just start straight away with how do clients normally come to yourself and how does that relationship blossom? From the get-go, it's very important for both parties to be comfortable with one another. In our business, the first meeting, we're always encouraging clients to come in. No obligations whatsoever in that first meeting. And really, it's just getting to know the client, getting to know what their needs are, what their goals are, to ensuring that there is value in the financial planning service and what they're looking to achieve, how they're looking to achieve it, what they currently have in place, what they're looking to explore, and generally what their own financial intelligence and understanding is what experience they've previously had. That, that first chat is just a fact find yes. as to whether it's actually worth going forward with it and that won't cost anything. No, so in most cases, that initial fact-finding meeting, it wouldn't cost anything. It's just a meet and greet. That's right. And most businesses, they're going to provide you some kind of needs and objectives letter which outlines what value and the financial servicing provider can provide to that client, outlining their objectives, what room there is for the actual financial advice. And then a quote, a cost as to what that's going to be. And then it's all up for interpretation for the client as to, look, I'm wanting a service that's a once-off or I'm looking for an ongoing service, which I would say most financial planners would agree that an ongoing financial advice is the most appropriate and valuable because it's like a gym membership. If you sell someone a gym membership and leave it to themselves, half the battle, if not more, is implementing being self-disciplined, continuing on the right habits where you've got someone in check to pull you up and ask you, has this been done? Or or even, in most cases, the financial planning company will implement the processes in there for you. So if you're changing your contributions or changing your super fund or adjusting your insurances because you're under or overinsured, they're helping you with all the paperwork and doing that all for you. So it's not, here you go, off you go now and you do it yourself. And can we get any idea maybe as to what it may cost for just the general piece of advice? I'm obviously not looking for specifics here, but we're not talking tens of thousands of dollars just to get a financial planner to help you, are we? No, that's right. It's something that is completely circumstantial Mm. to the client. It can be as little as... It could be as little as $2,000 for just looking at someone's superannuation, setting things up correctly. Providing a plan. Yeah, providing... So, all financial advice, all personal financial advice has to be a statement of advice. So, usually what you'll find in financial services is there is an upfront fee, upfront cost for Mm. preparing that initial statement of advice. 
and then an ongoing cost and an ongoing fee. But it's one of those things that everyone should be comfortable enough to have the conversation. Just to ask the question. Just to ask the question. How much do you think this would cost me for looking for these services? And what value could I get at the end of the day for that cost? Yeah, that's At the end right. of the day, if you're going to charge $5,000 for a service and there really isn't $5,000 propensity or ability for that individual to actually save or make money out of that service. It's just not worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's, There's got to be the value there and that's part of picking the right financial planner. We meet people every day. You'll meet the right person who you know has your objectives at heart and is doing their jobs for the right reason as is 99% of the population in the industry. But there are different types of financial planners, aren't there? For example, I know a lot that's sort of just focus on selling insurance policies and that's part of the service, isn't it? Correct. And there's different types of financial planners and businesses that focus on different things. There are some businesses that focus more towards just completing needs analysis of clients' insurance. Yeah. So when I mean insurance, I'm talking about personal insurance. So life, death, insurance. Yeah, life, death, TPD, trauma insurance, income protection, those things. Mm. Where some other practices focus on more of a holistic and comprehensive advice piece. Planning. People can scope out what they want and of course they can give us what information they want as, as broad as they want. But to get a full picture of your financial situation as to what your goals are, what your current assets are, what you're wanting to do in 10 years' time, if you've got a partner, if they work, if they don't, to build up a better picture can influence those decisions for working out how much insurance someone needs. Mm. So I think the advantage of, of going in deep and, and really getting that relationship with that client and getting to know them properly, it helps the client. The relationship building and that ongoing relationship where the financial planner gets to know you and knows your personality and if something isn't making sense, they could pull you up on it. It's not just for rich people, is it? Not just for the lawyers and the doctors and the people who are doing really, really well. Financial planning really is something that we all should be doing. Yes. And it's a service that anyone should be taking on board if they don't believe they've got their own skills to do it themselves. Yeah, correct. It's not that expensive that it's not worth it at the median or even below the median income in Perth. For different demographic or a, a different age of person, someone who's coming out of university, they just might want to make sure that everything's in line. In line for them about to go into their working careers. And, what does that mean? Start what, are we, what are we putting in line? So it could be simply looking at their superannuation fund to ensure that what their risk profile or their investments suits that person. From the get-go. So they haven't started their grad job yet. They just hand you the superannuation provider that is the bulk provider of their company. Yes. Maybe there is a better opportunity or a better option for them personally that you can set up from day one. One of the most important things is when you first go into a superannuation fund, you're usually in the standard fund. Mm. So but when you're young, maybe you want to take a few more, more risks or yeah. just be a bit more aggressive about it. And that could be the difference. They always have it on TV, you know. Yep. This person was 20,000. <laughs> and that's what they're talking different products here. But it also relates here, you know, the difference between being in a really reserved sort of negative risk-averse fund compared to one, at, you know, especially at a young age, having a crack. Yeah. be massive amounts of difference by the time you get to 40, for example. I'll just speak about risk profiles because I think it's quite important and quite relevant to what you've just said. One of the first things that all funds financial planners will do is work out usually with a risk profile questionnaire your risk profile which is your tolerance to risk Mm. it's a number of questions that will ask are you looking at the stock market every day do you get worried if there's a downward turn in the in the market Do you know how your superannuation funds are invested? All these questions that give the financial planner or the financial planning company a better understanding and a better idea of how that client 
is tolerant to that their risk. business acumen, their financial acumen. Correct. Have they invested themselves before in something? Yes, exactly. Whilst it may not have done well, at least it shows that they're thinking about it and they may be tolerant to risk. Yes, that is very important and that varies from everyone. Everyone has different risk tolerances and different education and understanding and financial intelligence. There's no doubt. So it's about aligning and ensuring that your risk profile of what your current superannuation is aligns with what your actual risk tolerance and investment profile is. Because there's a lot of people out there whose risk tolerance to them as a person is completely different to how all their money is being invested. Yeah, for their retirement. And risk profile is not necessarily a stagnant thing. It can change over time. So for example, if a client comes in in their 30s and they're wanting financial advice and at that point in their life, they might be much more tolerant to risk. They don't have a mortgage yet. They don't have children yet, for example. And they might be willing to ride the ups and downs, but also they've got time on their side. They can Mm. recover from market fluctuations. As opposed to if that same client continued with financial advice and then at seven years old, their priorities change. High tolerance. Yeah, their priorities change. They're moving into a stage where they're, they're wanting to conserve their wealth now. They're not necessarily looking to accumulate more and more and potentially don't need to take the risks that they once did Mm. to live the lifestyle that they want to in retirement. So we've spoken quickly insurance, we've spoken superannuation, but you know, financial planners set up plans. They help with budgets. They can help with money management, uh, financial acumen. What if we're not interested? Look, mate, we've got our super sorted out. We're happy with no insurance, Mm. you know, right now. It's not something we want to spend our money on, but we want a bit of help in budgeting. We're just not good with money. A lot of it can be made up of debt management. For example, financial planner might see a client's objective of paying down their mortgage and a financial planner can put down in the statement of advice, well, one of your goals is to pay down your mortgage sooner than the agreed time time frame with the bank. What, what does that look like over a period of time? Mm. How much interest are you going to be saving by making an additional $50 a week payment on your loan? Mm. What will it look like if you did have an offset account where your savings were in the offset account instead and, and offsetting that interest? And I think the value in financial planning is also offering a variety of, of choices to a client and projections and options. You know, what does it look like if you go down this road? What does it look like if you go down this road? At all times, financial planning is leaving that power and that decision-making with the client because the statement of advice is just that. It is the professional statement of advice and financial planners will present their statement of advice once they've done all their research, their analysis and their fact-finding and they've got all the details and they've worked with a power planner and everything's there. They present to the client and the client might be worried what's on this statement is gospel. That's what's going to happen mm. but it's not necessarily as simple as that. The client might say, okay, we agree and we're comfortable with the way that you've analysed our insurance needs. A, B, and C were cool. Yep. D, we're not, not so comfortable us. with. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yep, let's talk about it. What other options do we have? What would the situation look like if we're only putting $20 in a week yeah. extra to our mortgage over time? But really, the financial planning structure changes over time depending on usually the age. So a priority for younger young individuals might be liquidity and budgeting and debt management, setting up their superannuation correct setting up or ensuring that they're not over or underinsured at that point in their lives to moving towards middle age where you're wanting to yeah pay down debt but essentially look at plans to top up your superannuation Retire and then retirement earlier. planning yeah 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 and that's the other thing because financial advice is so different broad and personal your retirement date could be completely different to my ideal retirement date mm. One person's income is completely different to another. One person might have three children they want to send through private school. One set of parents might have five children they don't want to send to private school. Five kids all going to Ross Moyne. Yep. Kieran, thanks a lot for your time. We'll have you in soon again. Pleasure. Thank you, Trent.
For this week's Suburb Spotlight, we are talking Ross Moyne and Shelley, and to help us out, we've got Zach Addenbrook from Pulse Property Group. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me, Trent. Zach, I love Ross Moyne and Shelley because not only has it got that factor of the river, it's pretty close to the city, it's just far enough to have that family lifestyle and not be getting too crazy with traffic and whatnot, and you've got some really great schools in the area that keep getting people flocking towards that suburb. Yeah, absolutely. It's a place that I've actually grown up in for many years, so I know it quite well. Uh, and we do find that the main state of people looking in the area are, are those families. It, it's got that riverside lifestyle. It's only about 10Ks from the city, easy access onto the freeway. And a little sort of, I guess, tidbit, if, if you want, that uh, I've noticed over the years is the only people that you see coming into Rossmore and Shelley actually are the locals because it's cut off by uh, Leach Highway. So it's a lot so of good... So people uh, stay local. They do, they do. We get uh, a lot of sort of owners moving within the suburb, but... Um, Maybe upsizing from a smaller product into a larger home or the yeah. other way around. Yeah, a bit of both, actually. So it's uh, the sort of mainstay of uh, demographics there are, are really sort of your, your older couples, yep. uh, established families, and even, even your younger families now, we're seeing that coming into the area. And it is, you know, the school's a big attraction, mm. for sure. So Ross Moyne Senior High School, that's uh, ranked about 15th. Uh, as of 2017 in the state. Which but in is terms of state schools, where you're not paying 20 grand a year, yeah. it's up there. Oh, it's absolutely It's always up right up there at the top in terms of marks and whatnot. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they, they, they've been up there for a long time too. So, it's not just a recent thing. So, yep. uh, we have a lot of sort of international buyers coming in as well. Uh, again, because of that school, uh, but that, that Riverside lifestyle, you, you just can't sort of go past it. Zach, let's be honest, it isn't a first home buyer sort of area where you're getting in at no. $400,000, is it? No, it's, it's not. Uh, the only sort of bits and pieces you'd find in that area for around the 400 mark, you're probably looking at a two by one. An older flat? Older flat in, in about a group of eight, yep. 10, 12. Yep. Yeah, sort of just your standard living area, kitchen. And, and, and your two bedrooms and, and main bathroom, yeah. Yep, yep. But really, we're looking at probably well-established families or exactly. fairly high-income young families looking to yep. get in the area for the schools, you know, maybe five years from now when the kids are starting to get into high school. Yeah, exactly right, exactly. So, uh, a lot of those families do come in for a variety of reasons, but the main ones being exactly the school. Uh, it's a great place to settle down, grow the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little bit biased, obviously, so that's what happened to us, but plenty of parks and, you know, sporting clubs as well. So, let's talk about those products that are moving in Rossmore and Shelley right now. Yeah. What are people buying? It's a good time to buy, even in a market like Rossmore and Shelley, which is sort of starting to move now anyway. What is moving? What are people paying for? What are people chasing? Yeah, well, the good thing about Rossmore and Shelley, so Shelley's got, uh, it, it's the bigger part of this pocket. Yep. Uh, so you look at roughly about sort of 2,000 homes in Shelley compared yep. to Rossman, about 1,200. But you have a, a good variety of options. As we're sort of saying, the downsizes, there's plenty of sort of either your units, your two-by-ones, three-by-ones, three-by-twos, up to your townhouses, so low-maintenance living. Yep, it, and these have been fairly recently developed yeah, a lot from of, an old block into a few townhouses. Exactly right. So there's a lot more low-maintenance living now yep. coming onto the market. About two years ago, we had a few zoning changes throughout the area, so blocks that were not subdivisible then 
are now. So we're finding yep. that there's a lot of uh, action happening there, which is good. Around that sort of 900 square meter sort of areas that you're talking about. And That's exactly with the right. changes now, we're maybe fitting two or three on a corner or whatnot. Exactly right. Okay. So I know we, we just got one across the line not too long ago. It was a lovely corner block. So they have a bit more leniency mm. in terms of what you can, uh, you know, Get split done. that into. Yep. That got uh, turned into four blocks. Yeah, and, wow. Um, yeah, so, so, so new homes are going up there and it's adding a lot of street value to the area, which is great, all these new homes. And yeah. it seems to be with a lot of the buyers I'm talking to, the low-maintenance lifestyle is, is becoming a bit more paramount. It's not the suburbs where there isn't the top end too. I'm seeing some big numbers in yeah. terms of sales prices in there, especially given the river factor. Exactly right, yeah. So got some luxury homes. Huge, yeah, huge luxury homes. We just uh, had one sell at auction, actually, uh, by a competitor. Went pretty quickly. That was, yeah, multi-million dollar homes on the riverfront. You, the views that you get there, sort mm. of just essentially panoramic, and it runs the entire border of Rosswone and Shelley. So there's quite a few options for you. Yep. But yeah, no, it's certainly on the higher end. Of, are these the people scale. who are looking for possibly that apple cross lifestyle but just don't want to pay that extra 30% getting onto those top-end prices? Yeah, I've always sort of seen it. Uh, Applecross is well known, for mm. sure. That's but your premier south of the river, riverside yes. suburb, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Is That's that's probably your first one that comes to mind, yeah. for sure. And, uh, and you know, they've got a good high school schooling yeah. zone as well. Uh, Rossmoyne, I wouldn't say is quite close behind them too, mm. but it's, it's more of a, I wouldn't say a secret, but uh, I'm, I'm sort of talking to more buyers now. Even So, Salter Point as well, just across, across the other the river. side of the river. Yep. You know, I'm talking to a lot of buyers from there who are going, I've, I've sit on my balcony in Salt Point looking at Rossmoyne and they're starting to look in Rossmoyne now. Yeah. And people come from Mount Pleasant on the river and Applecross as well because it is, you can sort of get a, a good size block. Yeah. Certainly, you know, it's it's good value and, and at the higher end of the price range, but probably a little bit bigger than what you can get in Applecross for the most part. It's a little quieter and I think you've mm. got a bit more amenity. The, the thing that does me for Applecross, for example, whilst there is a lot going on now for a long time and still now at the moment, it's underserviced for the for the expectations of the residents. Whereas Rossmore and Shelley have got a bit more of that shopping front around the Riverton area and High Street and whatnot and it doesn't have the traffic as well. Exactly right, yeah. So in Rossmoyne itself, you've got your IGA, you've got cafes, restaurants, uh, pizzeria. Yep. Uh, Shelley's the same. It's got a nice little hub in there, which is where our office is based, one of the two. And a uh, brand new cafe has gone in, mm. which is absolutely going off on a daily basis. It, yep. it, it's fantastic. And yep. uh, you know we've got a medical center going in there now, so that's signed off on in the hub as well restaurants again and and, and yeah put plenty of cafes and, and options for the locals which is great but i want to talk development opportunities like sure. i always do i'm always interested in where we can make some money renewing the suburb or turning some older houses into a couple newer ones what are we talking here in terms of a price point as an entry level to get into a development block i know it's not going to be cheap yeah uh but what are we talking there and what are we going to make yeah. in terms of what products are we going to build yeah, perfect. The price points vary quite a lot because mm. there's, there's not a major distance between you know the north side of the suburb and the south. So okay. on the south side, you're obviously bordering Leach Highway, yep. which is going to affect valleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the north side, you've got the river. Yeah. So it's a little bit hard to say, but of the recent sales, so there's been about, uh, in, in Shelley alone this year, 10, 10 to 12 blocks of vacant land have, have sold. Mm-hmm. They sort of vary around about... 1200 to 1600 square meter yep 
none of which are on the riverfront for those. But the, the older homes that you can knock down develop, which yeah. is what you're talking about, you'd sort of be looking around, you know, 900 square metre blocks are sort of going anywhere from your mill mark to, to even, even 1.1. Yeah. Uh, and then upwards, depending on how close you get to the river. Yep. So, yeah, we, we've certainly got uh, in, in Rossmoyne as well. So, Rossmoyne typically being the better end as well, so traditionally getting higher median prices. A block of that same size, you'd be looking at a baseline of about 1.1. Yep. Um, the most recent block that sold that got developed, it was about uh, 457 odd square meters. That one got across the line at uh, $720,000. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. that's big. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're splitting up two of those, just, just let's just say we've got 900 square meters, yeah. right? You're splitting that up into two blocks of 450, turning out 1.4 and a half for yeah. it. Yep. You could make some cash just splitting land up, knocking an old house down and splitting land up. There's a couple hundred grand in that. Yeah, exactly right. So the good thing is Rossmoyne has been quite slow there's still plenty of larger blocks but we find that the they're people, tightly held yeah it's tightly held they just love the area and they uh, lived there for a very long time the, the most recent block that's just come on this lovely lady was there from the beginning yeah so she's been in that home for about 40 odd years and i mean rossmoyne was really only officially established in about 1960 yep. in february a uh, scottish bloke wandered out and sort of saw the area and said you know this will be all right and he's, uh, yeah, he sort of put that all forward in February uh, 1960 and then the next month it was gazetted. I talked to, along with my um, partner, Di, we work as a team, so we actually talked to a gentleman who just sold his house. It was one of the first homes built in the area back then and mm-hmm. he was offered land on the riverfront at the time and said, oh... Probably not, not quite for me. I don't really see value being right on the river. Bought a couple of streets back and he's just sold. And he, he jokes about it now, but yeah. he sort of built his house by hand. He built the bricks and, and the home and everything. But wow. uh, he sort of, he has a bit of a chuckle. He goes, you know, it could have been on the riverfront. But, you know. It's interesting to look back and think that only in the 60s that, you know, a riverfront suburb was still just an idea. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so it's it's pretty fantastic. And I, I guess the most underrated thing, as, as I did say, is, you don't have any through traffic. So mm. with your Mount Pleasance and your Applecross, you sort of do get a bit of flow through. A lot of people going to Frio. Exactly right. Whereas, you know, Rossmore and Shelley, it's it's just the locals that are in there, which is great. It's a nice little pocket. Now, every week we ask our expert real estate agent, if they had the median house price worth of cash in the bank, what would they buy? We're going to ask you the same question. If you had $900,000, which is about the median for the area, yep. what would you be picking up? Yeah, look, for me, I've always been of the opinion that as much land as possible would be the key mm-hmm. um, that's obviously what it appreciates with that sort of money you, you would be able to get a decent sized block for sure uh, it wouldn't be subdivisible it, it would be close and i'll probably look for something in the hopes of a few years down the track the city of canning might rezone yep so yeah i'll sort of be looking for a, a, as much land as i could with, with a reasonable house on so a rentable house rentable house yeah where most of the values in the land correct that hopefully at some point if not now, at some point in the future, you could see development potential. That's right, yeah. I know that there's there's talks at the moment in the city of Canning. Uh, they want to get a bit more higher density along Leach Highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, whether or not that stretches a little bit further into the suburb is uh, yet to be determined. But well, I think at- A lot of it all comes down to residents. Yes. For example, in Netherlands, it looks like a really uphill battle, Subiaco as mm. well, for the, for the residents to actually... Uh, I've got a lot of NIMBYs in there. You know, they don't want anyone coming in and, and changing their lifestyle. Yeah, sure. 
are the people of Rosswine and Shelley, are they interested in upgrading the area, a bit more density, somewhere for their kids to afford, or are they yeah. fairly similar and don't want any, any change? Look, it's, it's funny you bring that up, actually. Not too long ago, so before this new cafe that I mentioned came into play about six months ago, there was talk of having one for sure. Mm. Good idea. Which, oh, well, for most people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, there, there are some locals who have been there, as I was saying, for a very long time happy with the way it is and they sort of started a petition to get it knocked down basically and 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 not let it through so Mm. it has been put on hold they did a well enough job so but i do i mean we talk to families constantly they do want to see a bit of change in the suburb for Mm. the better they obviously don't want to sort of cut up everything but they sort of do see that there's room uh, for, for a bit more additional growth in there. Well, it sounds like that growth might, in terms of development and density, might be a few, you know, a few years away, maybe a yes. cycle or two away. And that, you know, that might be music to the ears of a lot of people who are looking for that uh, relaxed lifestyle yeah, where they can yeah. actually uh, have some space and not have too many cars parking on the street. So a lot of people, yes. especially in that price range, probably would appreciate hearing that Ross Moyne and Shelley are probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, that's And people right. will pay a premium if they know that. They will, exactly right. So we're uh, having, again, discussions with buyers that have never even looked in Rossmoyne and Shelley. Now, this has more to do with the way the market's gone. Every suburb's been affected, some more than others, but Rossmoyne and Shelley has been very good at holding its value because of the high school, mm. the amenities nearby, mm. uh, and, and just the location itself. So it still has been affected, don't get me wrong, but... Um, it hasn't been hit the same way. Uh, a couple of two or three kilometers away from there I've, yeah. uh, on the other side of Leach Highway especially yep. uh, it has been exactly right so so we are seeing buyers who have never even considered looking and purchasing in Shelley Rossmoyne now starting to do so which is which is exciting I yeah. think I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities moving forward which would be great Zach thanks a lot for your time hopefully we can have you in again soon yeah my pleasure thanks thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!